Uh, but this morning, I want to speak to you on the topic, growing up. Growing up. I have no exciting props with me today. But to keep you engaged, I'm going to exploit my child, and you can look at photos of him on the big screen. So I have been a father now for just over a year, right? I now have this small human being living in my house, and I've learned and noticed just a few things over the last year and a bit, which we will apply to our spiritual lives. It's not just me talking about my kid. See, God is also our father, right? So God is our spiritual father. He's our heavenly father, and he wants us to grow spiritually. He does not want us to stay the same, to remain immature, small little babies for the rest of our lives. He actually wants us to grow and grow and grow until we can meet him face to face. So this morning, we're going to cover three areas about spiritual growth and baby growth. Um, Food, falling, and faithfulness, right? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you are a king, you are God, that you reign and you rule, that God, you have, um, you have all authority on heaven and earth, God. So we ask that your word would go forth, it would not return to you void, it would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my son, Miles, was a tiny human being when he was born. Right? Like he was so small that I could carry him in one arm. Like he, he would just fit, like right here. He was so small that his hands could not wrap around my finger. It's like, you know, he'd be like, grab, and it'd be like this little, you know, he couldn't even wrap his hand around my finger. He was so small that in the bathtub, you would have to hold, like, you know, he's got this little, you know, kitty bath. You gotta hold him so he doesn't drown. Because it's like he's so small that if you just left him, he just like, boom. But, but you, so you've got to hold him so he doesn't drown, right? But within a single year, he's huge. I have carpal tunnel in my hand from carrying my son. He's just too heavy now. It's like picking him up is like, and it's like painful. And my wrist is so painful these days. It's crazy. Um, but but he's, he, he's so big. He used to be so small. Now he's so big. His hands are now versatile enough that he can pick up his toys, that he can throw spoons at me, that he can do all these these dexterous activities that he could not do when he was a newborn. Now in the bathtub, he looks ridiculous. His feet hang off the edge. It's like he's sitting in this thing like, what are you doing to me? And he's just hanging off this little plastic bathtub. It's like this giant in a little pond. It's it's weird looking. But you know, the craziest thing is that as big as I think he is, he's going to get bigger. That one day he is going to be an adult. One day he is hopefully going to be six foot two. (laughs) Right? One day he's going to be stronger than me. One day he's going to be this, this actual man. And right now it's like, but you're such a little thing. We were all once tiny little babies. Isn't that weird to think that it's like you used to be a baby? Like, and, and then you think of your parents and your grandparents and they, they used to be babies and it's like, that's weird. <laughs> but you know that there are so many different ways that we, we have to grow physically, right? Is that growth happens in stages. Growth happens in, it, with, with different techniques and different things have to happen and different things have to be in place for us to grow. 
But physical growth is really noticeable. Like there are certain milestones that as a baby grows, you know, the doctors will check. It's like, oh, can they walk? Can they talk? Can they this or that or this or whatever? And so they're checking the age. And so they determine the health of the baby by the milestones that they reach. They check things like their height and their weight and their diet. They check whether they're walking or they're crawling. And, and all of these different aspects of their lives add up to a healthy, growing child, right? But you know our spiritual health we can get by without anyone noticing. You can be a spiritual baby for your entire spiritual life and nobody can tell. Nobody can tell. Because your spiritual life does not, is not as visible, is not as, is not as uh, apparent to people. It's, it's one of those things that happens internally. So there's not necessarily these milestones that people go, oh, you're growing well spiritually because I can see these things happen. It's just, no, you are yourself. Whatever's happening spiritually, it's like, I don't know. Could be good, could be bad. Who knows? Nobody can tell. There are no spiritual KPIs, Right? So there's nothing we can assess at the end of the year to see if you're making good progress. But you know, the truth is that the one thing that our spiritual health, our spiritual growth impacts is our relationship with God. And that is the most important thing in our lives. Our relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives. There is always room to grow spiritually. So the question for us this morning is how do we grow up spiritually? We're talking about growing up spiritually. How do we grow up? So number one is this, and I'm going to spend so much time on this topic because obviously um, it's food, right? We're going to talk about food. And so number one is food, right? This is my favorite topic, again, obviously. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. You know when babies are born, they drink milk. And, and here's the thing, milk is super easy to drink. In fact, it is so easy to drink for a baby you don't even need a cup. No utensils required for a baby to drink milk. It just goes to the source and it eats. <laughs> it is so easy for a baby to drink milk that a baby can drink milk while it's asleep. It's asleep. It's just like, like no effort. It's so easy that they, they can just get all the milk they want while they're sleeping, right? No effort. They don't need to wake up. They don't need to ask. They don't need, they just open their mouth, goes in, they swallow, they're done, right? And, and here's the thing. It's really good for them. It's nutritious. So there's, there's nothing wrong with milk, right? And, and we'll get to this in a second. But, but when it comes to our spiritual nutrition, spiritual milk is really easy to drink, Right? Spiritual milk is delicious, it's nutritious, and it's really easy. So if you're new to Christ, maybe you, 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 know, you came to Jesus recently, um, or maybe you're thinking about whether you want to come to Jesus, that's okay too. Milk is really good for you. 
right? Milk is really good for you. Milk is, is exactly what you should want. Milk, milk is exactly what you should be taking. Milk is super nutritious. It is perfect for where you're at because you're new. Milk is not bad. It is a good thing. But it's only meant to be your sole intake for a short period of time. See, spiritual milk are the things that we can take in in our sleep. Easy things. So we're going to talk about what is spiritual milk? What does that practically look like? So I'm not saying that spiritual milk is bad, right? Just hear me out. I'm not saying it's bad. What I am saying, though, is that even though it's really good, it's only meant to last for a little while. So what are the easy things? So last week, for example, we had, you know, Ian McCormack, and was people here for that. It was great, fantastic. He gave this really powerful life-giving testimony, changes your perspective on eternity, gives you a challenge on, on what life is all about. And testimonies are incredible, but testimonies are spiritual milk. And what, what do I mean by that? Because when you hear someone's story about Jesus and what they did for them and how powerful it was and how impacting it was, it's so easy to hear that and to receive Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to increase your faith. You can do that in your sleep. It's spiritual milk. Remember I'm saying, I'm not saying this is bad. Everyone's looking at me like, oh, what was wrong with Ian McCormack? No, nothing, he was great. But it's spiritual milk. No effort required. When you hear a worship song for the first time and it resonates with you and you're like, this is the best song, I love this, and you're into the presence of God and it's this great, incredible encounter with God and you're like, yes, I, you know, God's real. It's spiritual milk. Because all you had to do was listen to the song and engage with it a little bit and like, oh, right? Spiritual milk, super easy, super easy to digest, super easy to take in. Or what about you're scrolling through social media and you see that two minute clip of this great preacher and they have this little, you know, two minutes of, you know, one point and it's bang, bang, bang. And it's like, oh, what a great point of a 40 minute sermon. And I got this two minute bit and it's perfect and it speaks to you. And, it, and it's like, this is exactly what I needed for this time. And it's like, great. But again, spiritual milk, because you just had to scroll, watch, like, Okay, like, like you get it into you and it's good. It's good that you received it and it's good that, that you encountered it, but it is spiritual milk because you just drink it in. You just take it in. It is good for you. It's nutritious, but you just let it go. It's like, I'm done. It's fantastic. What about when you come to church? Now, we love church. We're all at church. But you come to church. It's a great message. It's a great altar call. You come up, you get prayed for, you get ministered to. And then you go, yeah, God touched me and impacted me. It's good. Again, it is very good. But all that happens is God answers your prayer. He meets you where you're at and you receive what God has for you. That is spiritual milk. Not a bad thing. Guys, stop looking at me like that. <laughs> Too many eyes staring at like, what is this guy trying to? It's just spiritual milk. These are excellent. These are good things. But just like milk, you cannot live off them. You will not grow spiritually if all you're doing is coming to church, scrolling on social media, listening to a song here and there, and hopefully getting prayed for and listening to testimonies. That is not going to grow you spiritually. 
It's okay at the start. It's okay at the start when you're new and you're like, is Jesus real? And you need to encounter these moments with Jesus again and again to affirm that Jesus is real, that he loves you. Yes, you need that when you're a spiritual baby. But when you grow up, when you mature a little bit, we can't live off spiritual milk, right? Because we can't just live off these things that are spoon-fed to us. Now, as you get older, as a child gets older, even as adults, it's not that you stop consuming milk. You just consume it in a different way, right? So 1 Peter 2.2 says this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So it is not a bad thing. So spiritual milk is not a bad thing. But as we grow, as we mature, we need to start eating solid food, right? Now, we still have milk all the time, right? Maybe you have it in your coffee. Maybe you have it as cheese. Maybe you have it in yogurt or with cereal or in oats or in cakes or in cream or lasagna. Or maybe you have moussaka or maybe you have this amazing Italian milk braised pork called maiale al latte, which is three hours braised. It's delicious. But the point is that you still drink milk, but you don't live off it anymore. As an adult, you're still consuming. So, so what I'm saying spiritually is we still need to hear the testimonies. We still need the worship. We still need the encounters of God. We still need prayers answered. We still need all of these things. But that is not the source of our spiritual health. That is not the source of our spiritual growth. We are now maturing. We're now starting to eat solid food. We don't just depend on spiritual milk. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 to 3. So we're continuing from before. It says this, Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. This is the bit that I want to focus on. You are still worldly. What does that mean, worldly? I wonder if we, if we did a survey across the room and I said, what does it mean to be worldly? And we would all have different answers, right? But I would hazard a guess that we would lean towards things like evil things, worldly things like, you know, drugs and alcohol and this and that. And, and we're thinking, yeah, all these crazy worldly things, stay away, ah, you know. And, and, and so we think, yeah, you're still worldly because you do all these things. You're in the, but this is what Paul says. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? See, the worldly things that Paul's talking about, now I'm not saying those things are good. Obviously there's some evil things in the world. But the, the, the worldliness that Paul is talking about is like jealousy and quarreling. When was the last time you were jealous? <laughs> right? When was the last time you looked at someone and went, I wish I had that? It's not fair that they got the promotion or they got that job or they got that, they're blessed in that way or their finances are in that. And it's like, how come they have, don't have the hardship I have? How come they didn't experience how difficult it was? How come they didn't get the sickness? And, and, and we can get jealous so easily. And then the next bit is, is quarreling. When was the last time you had a quarrel, an argument with somebody? When was the last time you had a chat with 
I don't know, your spouse or your partner or your kids. Because that's probably when the last time you had a quarrel with somebody was. Because it, it says, don't, it says, if you have jealousy and you have quarreling, you're still, you're still in the worldly sense. You're still stuck in that thing. And it's so hard because how many times do we quarrel with our friends, with our colleagues, with a coworker, with a classmate, with a family member, the guy who cut you off on the way to church? And, and it's like, it's just we get triggered and we start quarreling, we get angry, we get frustrated. But what we're starting to see is Paul says, these are the things that you need spiritual milk for. Because what spiritual milk does for you is it's easier to take in, it's easier to receive. But what it does is it helps you to fix your eyes on Jesus so you're less fixated on yourself. That's what spiritual milk does. Spiritual milk helps you go, oh, Jesus is important. Jesus is there. And instead of me being selfish and going, woe is me, what about me, 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 me? Spiritual milk helps us to grow up by going, hey, let's look beyond ourselves. Let's notice that life is bigger than just me but there's actually more than my ego out there. There's other people, there's God, and there's the things of God. So, so we know that, that, that Paul is saying, this is what you need spiritual milk for, right? To get over yourself so that you can be not worldly anymore. Hebrews chapter five, verse 12 says this. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Okay, we're doing a bit of Bible study, but hopefully this makes sense. See, milk is there to help us go, oh, this is who God is, right? It helps us to realize God exists. This is who he is. This is the character and nature of God. Solid food helps you distinguish between good and evil. Okay, so solid food helps you distinguish between good and evil. So let's say we're all mature people and we're growing. And so, you know what? We're done with the milk. We need solid food. And so we, we, we can deal with our own issues. We're not quarreling with people. We're not jealous of other people. We're working on it. We figured it out. How do we distinguish between good and evil? Okay, back to my kid. Is he eating yet? Where's a picture of him? There you go. All right. So <laughs> it's funny. Um, so when, when my kid was about six months old, we started feeding him solid food, right? The first thing we fed him, I don't know why we did this, but um, we gave him oranges. We thought this would be a good place to start. He starts eating oranges at about six months old. He choked like four times. Like, I was like, is he going to die? I'm ready to do back blows and everything. But, you know, thank goodness he just manages to vomit it all up and he's okay. Um, because he's not used to eating solid food. He's used to this milk that just goes easily down his throat, doesn't have to chew, doesn't have to, it's sweet, it's easy, there's nothing. He does not want to know what to do with this semi-solid, semi-liquid thing in his mouth. It's like, what is this? How do I process this thing? It's just sitting in there. In fact, he couldn't find his mouth. First time he's eating, he's like putting juice in his eye, right? He doesn't know what to do. It's like, he doesn't know how to hold things. Milk was so easy. Milk was like a bottle. I put it in his mouth. 
And he's just like, look, look, look. Like, this is nothing, no effort at all. But solid food, he's got to find it. He can't pick it up off the table. It's like he's squashing it. And it's like, that's not, I'm like, please stop. But, but he picks it up and he's like, Right, his face is covered in juice and he's not eating anything. Eventually he puts it in and he's like, no. Like he doesn't know, he has to chew it and then he chokes on it. And then it's like, that's just oranges. He has to do the same thing for every single type of food that you bring in. It's like you bring in toast and it's like, there's no liquid at all, it's dry. He has to depend on his own saliva to make this thing. And it's like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's got this crumbly, hard thing in his hand. And it's like, no liquid, nothing to drink. And he's like, like he does not know how to eat. It is effort for babies to learn how to eat. It took time and it took practice. And he had to learn how to chew. And he had to learn how to engage with this solid piece of food. And it was difficult at the start. You see, spiritual solid food is not easy to engage with. It does not just go directly into your mouth and you are not just spoon fed and you're like, oh, thank you, that's great. What is spiritual solid food? This is what it is, right? It's when you decide to take this, take your Bible, to read it, to understand it in context, and to apply it to your life. That's solid food. I know that's not easy. That does not sound as easy as getting a bottle shoved in your mouth and you just suddenly grow up. But if you want to grow spiritually, then what we have to start doing is going, oh, I need to figure out how to pick this up with my own hands. Like a kid picking up a piece of orange, you got to learn how to actually pick up your Bible. I know this sounds like a really easy thing, but let's be honest. How hard is it sometimes to just pick up your Bible? I, like, you know, I don't know about you, but it's like sometimes it's late at night, I'm tired, and I just don't pick up my Bible. It's just the first step is I just got to actually learn how to pick this up and go every time I want to eat spiritually, I got to pick this up. Every time I want, if I do want to grow in the things of God, I have to pick this up. I cannot leave it sitting there going, come on God, spoon feed, spoon feed. No, no, no. If I want to really grow into a mature Christian adult, I need to pick this up. And then when I pick this up, I have to go, how do I put this in my mouth? How do I eat the word of God, right? Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How do I eat this? It sounds weird to eat paper or what God is saying, but how do, I, how do I take this and actually bring it into me? Eating is just a way of, of getting something on the outside to the inside, right? So scripture, how do you get this that is on the outside onto the inside? Not easy. Because if it was simple as I could just read anything and it would automatically go in, then it would be, you know, yay, but it's not. What happens is that we have to take the, the word and we have to go, how do I actually chew this? How do I digest this thing? And so, so what does that mean? It means that when we take the word, we have to take it and we go, how am I going to understand this 
so that it makes sense and I can apply it. That's chewing, right? Because you can't just take a piece of bread and swallow it, right? You've got to take bites. You've got to, you've got to process it. Sometimes we get too eager and we go, I'm just going to eat the whole thing in one sitting and I'll get it all. You won't. You've got, to, you've got to break it apart. So maybe for you, it's a chapter. Maybe for you, it's a verse. Maybe for you, it's three chapters, six chapters, a whole book. It doesn't matter. Point is that you've got to break this into bite-sized pieces that you can understand and go, what does this mean? What does the Bible mean? And so we take it and we go, I'm going to chew on this. I'm going to, see, see with milk, it's like you get the nutrition straight away. With solid food, you actually have to take the time to chew it and process it and figure out what this means. It's like, I wish that, you know, when you're eating the, uh, an amazing piece of steak, it takes a lot of effort to eat steak, but it's worth it because of how delicious it is. But you got to cut it. You got to chew it. You got to, you know, it takes a lot of effort, but, but it's better than milk. You know what I'm saying? And so, so when it comes to the word, it's like, it's really great that we get to hear great testimonies and encounter God in worship. This is all amazing things. But there's depth and richness in the word that only you can get when you eat it. And so what we do is we take the word and we go, okay, I need to chew on this. I need to digest it, figure out what this scripture is saying, what it means so that I can apply it. We need to spend time praying so that we can hear God and, and listen to God because that's all part of, of being fed by God. What is God saying to me? And spend time chewing on what God said to me. We'll get to that in a second. So I used to read this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says this, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I used to love this verse. I used to think, man, the mysteries of God. No one knows no one has seen, no one has heard, no one can understand because, oh, God is so great and mighty. And so this is what I used to think. I used to think, oh, if God has said something to me, if God has done something in my life, if God has promised something, then I'm like, okay, God, well, I don't know. So, you know, it's like up to you, my liege. Um, and, and so we surrender to God and say, yes, God, no one knows, only you know. You've said these things. I'll just treasure it in my heart like Mary and you can have it and whatever. And then one day I thought, I'm going to read the actual Bible to understand it. And verse 10 says this, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. And so what the scripture is saying is that Sure, no one has seen, no one has heard, except now we have the Holy Spirit, so everything's different. So now you can see, now you can hear, now you can understand, now your heart can comprehend what God has for you. But here's the thing, that's not going to happen until I ask God for revelation, until I spend time with God chewing on what He said to me. And I, I know how weird that is, because it's like, why would God tell you something and then expect you to go back to him to talk about it, right? It's like, come on, God, why couldn't you just tell me and then just tell me, full stop? Why do I have to, you tell me, I have to talk back to you, you have to give me revelation, like why this back and forth? Why not just this, I, you tell me and then I go? It's like, no, no, no. He's like, come back. I told you something, now come back. I'm gonna tell you a bit more, now come back. And it's like, why? And it's simple. It's because that's how you grow a relationship. 
is because God is more interested in his relationship with you than what he wants you to do, right? He's more interested in his relationship with you than his purpose for you. And so, so we sometimes go, but God, just tell me the purpose. It's like, no, 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 no. What about the relationship part? What about the us just talking part? What about the you come back to me and you seek me and you find me with, when you seek me with all your heart, as Noor said this morning? It's like, like, what about God wants relationship more than just revelation? <clears throat> and so we actually need to spend time to, again, chew on it, to go back to it. And it's kind of gross. We need to regurgitate it sometimes and go, you know, okay, I'm... Uh, and it's like we just need to do that so that God can go, oh yeah, I need you to talk to me about this. I want you to come back to me so I can give you deeper revelation, deeper awareness, because God can. You have the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of that scripture is that you can know what God has for you. So the thing about solid food versus milk is that solid food takes time to prepare. Solid food, you gotta chop it. My kid is so impatient when I'm trying to give him fruit because it's like, I just got to chop it in half so you don't choke. Ah! It's like, I just need to, just give me like half a second to cut this grape and so you can eat it. He's just so upset because milk is easy. Milk is just like instant in your mouth. Down it goes, you're done. Solid food is, I got to chop it. I got to prepare it. I got to simmer it. I got to cook it. I got to slow cook it. And, and it's complicated. And sometimes you got to go to Recipe Tin Eats to figure out how to cook this thing. Sometimes you need to go, who has made this thing before? Someone help me. Give me advice about how to cook it. What tools do you use? But the thing is that when you put in all the effort, the meal is more nutritious, the meal is more delicious, and it helps you grow. Milk is there to make you full. Solid food is there to make you grow. But the thing about solid food is sometimes you need to learn how to prepare it. What do I mean by that? When you're trying to cook a meal and you don't know what to do, what do you do? Google it, right? I wonder how many times we Google scripture. What does this mean? Who knows, God, you know, you tell me one day. But, but what if we just went, oh, maybe I should research this thing. Maybe I should look this up. Maybe I should find a concordance. Maybe I should call Pastor Victor because he's got nothing better to do than to answer all my questions. And, and it's like, maybe I should just ask someone who might have done this before to tell me how to understand this. Like, like, like when it comes to solid food, we know to do, like, like we don't give up. We don't go, oh, I don't know how to cook this piece of meat. Guess I better throw it in the bin. No, because you know, inflation. And so, so what we do is we get this thing and we go, I'm going to look up how to cook it. It's discounted at Coles. It's $2. I'm going to figure this out. Ask a friend, Google it. Do so. And, and so with the scripture, we've got to do the same thing. Sometimes we need help to digest and to figure out what God is saying. Sometimes you get a prophetic word and you don't know what to do with it. Why don't you ask a friend? Why didn't you ask a connect group leader? Why didn't you ask someone who is spiritually a bit mature, who you can trust and go, hey, I got this prophetic word. What do you think this means? Or can you confirm that this is a word from God for me? Because sometimes we, we, sometimes we just want to keep it to ourselves. We go, oh, I don't know. What, but if you want to grow up spiritually, God gives it to you to do something with it, not to just sit on it and to wait on it. So we need to put in the effort to prepare 
and the patience to wait for the right timing of God, but we need to continue to cook these things together so that we can eat solid food. Amen? Okay. Number one, food. Like I said, that was most of the sermon. It's okay. Number two is this, falling. So we're going to talk about food, falling, and faithfulness. Number two is falling. Let's just spend a minute looking at this. That's great. That's Aileen on the swing. She's on the swing. She hit him. I was filming, but she hit him. It's just going to loop forever. So, you know, once you've had your fill, we'll, we'll keep talking. All right. So when my son, he started talk, walking at about one year old, right? About a year, just over a year. He fell down all the time. It's like two steps, fall over, right? Eventually, three steps, fall over. Five steps, fall over. Even now, he's been walking for a few months. He still falls over. Like he will walk, hit his head on the corner of a table, and but, but he falls over, right? It's like, it's like, it's been happening for so long now, though, that, and, and I don't know. I don't know if it's he's growing. Maybe his limbs are a weird length. Maybe his center of gravity is funny. Something's weird, but he is just falling over a lot. Maybe it's because we put socks on him. Hmm. Um, but over time, he falls over a bit less. At the start, he was falling over all the time. And so we kind of got used to it to the point where, you know, it, you know, unless he crashes his head into a table and we're like, oh, no. Um, but, but we've gotten used to it that he, when he falls over, he'll cry, he'll be upset, and we'll just say, it's okay, all better, you can get up. Like, like wherever he is, he'll fall. That's okay, all better, get up. And he'll go, all better. And, and he'll keep going, right? It's like, great. Now, it's not because we're uncaring parents. And sometimes it's because he's over there and I'm too lazy to go to him. But mostly it's because we understand that part of growing up is falling over and learning to get back up again. Right? For him to learn to walk and one day run, he has to learn how to get up. He has to fall over a few times. It's part of the process of growing. See, we, we can't just take him out of every situation that might cause a bit of suffering or pain, right? It, it's like, oh, we want him to be happy, so if he falls, no, pick him up. Oh, no, he's going to pick him up, pick him up. Don't let him walk anymore. He's going to fall over. And, and so we can't, we can't just take him out of every bit of suffering. Like imagine he's 15 years old craw crawling on the ground, and he's like, why are all my friends walking? It's like, don't stand up, Miles, you're going to fall. Like, like, it doesn't happen, right? It's like part of growing up, and here's the thing, part of growing up is actually dealing with suffering. And part of growing up spiritually is actually dealing with suffering. Now, I've got to be clear here. I'm not saying that Sicknesses of God, of course it's not, right? There are so many demonic things in this world that are not of God. So I'm not saying that that is the case at all. But just by following Jesus, you will encounter suffering. You're standing up for the things of God. You're putting his principles into practice, things that are illogical to those around you. Just by standing on the principalities and what God says, you're going to go through suffering. The devil's against it. The world's against it. A lot of things are against it. So you are going to go through suffering. But what are we going to do when we face suffering? Because 
our natural, for some reason, okay, kids, when he falls over and he gets up, he's like, oh, better, and he keeps going. He, he wants to play with a PowerPoint. He doesn't care that he fell over, right? But for adults, we want to avoid suffering at any cost. Like suffering is the worst thing that could ever possible, possibly happen. So like get out of this situation. Do not let it happen. Get out, escape. Make sure you do not face any kind of suffering. Just run away. But the truth is you cannot escape suffering. You can't. No matter where you go, what you do, you cannot escape suffering. So here's the choice. We can either, when we go through suffering, suffering we can either run away or we can glory in it. Glory in it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's go to Scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You know what suffering does for us when we choose to glory in it? is we choose to trust God in it. That's what glorying and suffering is, is we go, this is difficult, this is painful, this is not what I would prefer, but when I glory in it, I say, I'm gonna trust you, God, because I'm gonna trust you that from this suffering, I'm gonna persevere. From my perseverance, I'm gonna grow some character, and from my character, I'm gonna have hope. You know, go on YouTube, three weeks ago, my wife and I, we preached this thing about faith and hope, and it was, you know, but, but this is what we're talking about, is that, is that you can actually put your trust and your faith in God even through suffering. Don't give up just because it hurts. Don't quit because it was difficult. Don't go, oh, but I never want to feel that again. I must escape. No, 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 because you are you're suffering. You can glory in your suffering. You can trust God in your suffering. You can go, man, if God says he can make all things work together for my good, then he can make this suffering work together for my good. We can trust God that his plan is still good even if this moment is not. We can trust God that there are bigger and better things to worry about. Maybe you're not playing with PowerPoints, but maybe it's about reaching the lost. Maybe it's about seeing your family saved. Maybe it's about ministering to others. Whatever it is, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. But you have to persevere. We need to start seeing suffering as an opportunity to persevere, knowing that, hey, our Heavenly Father's right there. And He goes, it's okay. I'll make it all better. Get up. Right? It's okay. I'll make it all better. You can just get up. How many times we fall over like, I can't get up, God, I can't. And he's like, it's okay. I'll make it all better. You can get up. Just because you've fallen over a couple of times or a hundred times, it doesn't mean it's time to give up. Suffering is not a sign from God to stop. Right? Suffering is not a sign from God to stop. And, and you know, maybe that's for someone. But it's like, Someone's like, but it's been so, that is not a sign from God. That is not God saying, okay, it's enough. Just because it hurt a bit, just because you got some skin off your knees, just because, just because there's some pain involved, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It doesn't mean that you can't get up and go again. Don't let your heart get callous. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't get frustrated. Don't let that negative experience or that offense or that disagreement get in the way of God's purpose for your life. God wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to grow up. And part of it is going, so if I have to grow up, then I can't give up. 
right? It's like I've fallen over, but I've got to get back up again. I've got to keep pursuing God. I've got to keep doing what God wants me to do. All right, I'm going to get the worship team up. And we're going to close with this last point. Number three, faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Galatians chapter six, verse seven to 10 says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What I wanna conclude with today is this. God is faithful. In our spiritual growth, in our spiritual lives, God is faithful. He didn't invite you to become a part of his family just to leave you as a spiritual baby. He invited you to join this amazing family where Jesus is the head so that you could continue to grow spiritually. Salvation might be the most important part of our journey, but it's not the only part of our journey. Once we come to Jesus, he goes, okay, now that you're a baby, yay, little baby. But it's like, time to keep growing. Time to become a toddler. Time to become a child. Time to become a weird, semi, not quite teenager, but not quite, you know, it's like not quite child, kind of 11-year-old thing. Time to become a teenager. Time to become, again, not quite adult, but not quite child, teenager thing. At, you know, 17 years old. And it's like, from there, it's like, okay, now you're gonna turn into this, 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 this young adult. Then you gotta turn into an adult. Then you gotta turn into another adult. I don't know, older adult. Like, like God, but the, the point is this, is that God does not want us to ever stop growing spiritually. Is that he wants us to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. And so when it says this, that he's the author and the finisher of our faith, it means that what he started, he will finish. What he started in you, he's gonna finish in you. That your journey of faith does not, has not ended. If you're still on this planet, you still have a purpose. You still have a way to go. That God still wants you to keep growing. See, God is faithful. And following him is worth it. The growth and the maturity, learning how to eat solid food, learning how to pick ourselves up is worth it because that is part of growing spiritually. And the scripture in Galatians 6 says this, it says, whatever a man reaps what he sows. In other words, you know, sometimes we look at our lives and we go, okay, so this, this is for me, right? This, this is something that I do, still do, in spite of me saying, don't do it. Have you ever been the person who's been at church, conference, camp, whatever, and you go, God, I want to serve you. God, I, I want you to speak to me. God, I need a prophetic word. God, I need you to call me out. And so, 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 okay, honest confession. It's like, I went to this big conference like years and years ago, right? Okay, I say years and years ago, but I still do it today. But anyway, years and years ago, I went to this big conference. I'm sitting in this congregation of maybe 30,000 people. I'm just sitting in one of the seats and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? It's like, God, come on, I, I, call me, do something in my life. Sitting in this conference, the, the speaker gets up and I'm like, 
This is what you should do, God. Tell that guy down there, like, because, you know, it's one of those. Tell the speaker my name. So that he's down there and he can just go, there's a boy in here named Joshua Chan. Are you, you know, like, like, can he just call me out? And they'll be like, yes, that's me. And I'll be like, okay, God. And then when I get up, the guy's gonna come because he's from you know, America or something. He's gonna go, yes, you shall now be my disciple. Come with me, leave all your things and follow me. Like, yes. And, and, and that's honestly what I, was, what I thought would happen. I was like, come on, God, I wanna do this amazing, incredible thing for you. So, so just call me out. Just, just do something spectacular. Like have this one big transforming moment in my life where suddenly I'm taken and I'm growing and I'm mature and I can do all the things you've called me to do. But the thing is that God just doesn't work like that. He doesn't, just tra- he doesn't transform you in one big spectacular moment. He transforms you by the slow renewing of your mind. He transforms you when you go, okay, God, I'm gonna sit day after day after day to pray and to read the Word and you go, that was such a waste of time, God. I got nothing out of it yesterday or the day before or six weeks ago until you look back 10 years and you're like, I'm so glad I'm not where I used to be. Is that God has actually transformed me, not in a week, not in a month, not even in six months. He transformed me over five years, 10 years is that my life is completely different. My relationship with God is different, not because of some explosive moment where someone prophetically said my name and called me out, but because I just went, God, I'm gonna seek you out. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in the effort to decide, to, to, to figure out who you are. Because we get so obsessed with God, who, like you tell me who I am. And God's like, you find out who you are when you find out who I am, right? It's like the more we seek God, the more we get revelation of who we are. And so we look at these, these moments and we think, man, I just want to mature quickly. I just want to have that, that, that one moment where something changes. And it's like, your life will change when you sit down and start eating. See, this is the thing, right? Finish with this very quick thing. With my son, I can't just go, I want him to grow up big and strong and go, I can't be bothered feeding you normal food. But on your 18th birthday, would I want you to be six foot two and like 90 kilos of muscle? Let's go to a buffet and eat everything. Like it, it just doesn't work, right? This anorexic little short, little malnutrition kid, he's gonna get there and he's gonna like, I'm full dad. Blah. Like because on his 18th birthday, I'm gonna take him to a buffet. It's gonna be great. But, but the point is that if I haven't slowly over time trained him how to eat solid food bit by bit, more and more and more each time, different varieties, different nutritional values, if I haven't taught him how to do that, when he gets older, it's too late to start shoving food down his throat. And for the same with us, it's like, we can't just go one day, God, I'm gonna just read the whole Bible in a day and I'll be good. One day I'll just sit and I'll watch 24 hours of sermons and I'll be good. One day I'm gonna pray and fast for seven days and then I'll be good or 40 days like Jesus and Moses and I'll be good. No, it's gonna be, I'm gonna start today. I'm gonna start with one chapter. Recommend Gospels, it's the best place to start. Start with one chapter and just pray for five minutes. Okay, two minutes. Jesus, what are you saying to me in the Bible? Jesus, give me revelation about who you are. You pray, you read, amen. Thank you, Jesus. And then you do it again tomorrow. 
and then the next day and the next day and the next day. And in five years time, you're going to look back and you go, I didn't know I was so spiritually healthy, big and strong. But it's because you're doing it every single day. It's because you're committing to seek God out, to, to, to search Him because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. 